0: On Sunday evening, we were at the Roundhouse in Camden to hear the performance poet, Kate Tempest. A week seems like a year ago. She closed her show with a new poem and performance piece called People's Faces. Kate Tempest can take quite an apocalyptic view of life, but she also sees hope and beauty in the most common places. She sees it in people's faces. In this poem that Millie just read, she finds herself looking at people's faces and they save her and they move her to tears. Even when I'm weak and I'm breaking, I stand weeping at the train station because I can see your faces. I love people's faces. <clears throat> now, I should say here that the two reasons we heard have a lot of merit, and I found them for a talk earlier in the week, which I'm not doing anymore, and in particular, the first one, the Gospel, it seemed to come from the Bible, but I rewrote it. So I'm just letting you know, if you thought you've never read that story before, that's because you haven't. But it's irrelevant, because it's not in this talk anyway. <laughs> anyway, what Kate Tempest does is what the poet does. She sees something else in the most ordinary and common places, like the sight of someone's face. Most of us look at each other more than anything else. And most of the time, we don't notice what we're doing we look at the ordinary and we miss the remarkable. This is what happened famously to a Trappist monk called Thomas Merton, who was also a poet. It was one day in 1958, and he was walking in the town of Louisville, Kentucky, the nearest town to where he lived. He was in a shopping center on the corner of two streets, Fourth and Walnut, when something happened. Suddenly, he says, he's in the shopping district, I was overwhelmed with the realization that I loved all those people, that they were mine and I theirs, that we could not be alien to one another, even though we were total strangers. It was like waking from a dream of separateness. He said this was kind of an experience that was impossible to explain. There is no way of telling people that they are all walking around shining like the sun. The writer of an early Christian letter, we call it the book of Hebrews, was another one with a poetic take on everything. One day, she was looking at the day, and she looked, and she looked, and she looked, and then she saw something in the day that most of us can't see because we don't stop to look. She noticed how every day we are surrounded by those who have already lived. She put it like this, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses she imagined that they are here with us, for us. In other words, she noticed that the story we are living in right now is itself inside a bigger story, one that we find much harder to read. Sometimes a novel or a film or a song or a strange coincidence wakes us up to the possibility of an alternative reality alongside the one that we found ourselves living in most of the time. Sometimes a turn in history wakes us up. You might have noticed that if you've been at the shops in the last couple of days. A look in people's faces of anxiety and uncertainty. This worrying moment that our world is in right now will eventually wake us up to a truth about ourselves that we don't yet understand. Sometimes, perhaps after a great shock, life calls us up short and we notice something we'd never noticed. For instance, Jean will tell you that well, while she came to this church originally for the funeral of her daughter, Victoria, she started coming back and back and back because somehow she found it brought her close to her daughter again, and still does. She is surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, and one of them is Victoria. Life is... Hang on, let me get a drink. (laughs) Life is heavy with itself. Everyone is illuminated. Have you got eyes to see, is the way Jesus used to put it. Have you got ears to hear? These are the questions that a poet asks. C.S. Lewis was a poet, and he wrote stories, famously including The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And he talked about something like this in a book of his called The Weight of Glory. He said, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. It is immortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Next to the bread and wine of the Eucharist, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. When you look at someone, consider their holiness, even if they seem frazzled, worried, scared, as many of us do today. C.S. Lewis, like Kate Tempest, is standing in the tradition of Jesus, the poet who began the poem, which finds us inside the poem that we call St. Luke's, West Holloway, inside the poem we call a church, the one that we belong to, a poem which today feels a little uncertain, unfinished, a poem with anxiety in it, fear, a poem with too much in its lines that is unknown. But we gather together, some of us remotely, some of us physically, because we believe that even in darkness there is light, even in loss there is hope, even in death there is life. But how can we touch each other without touching? In the early part of the Bible, poets were often called psalmists, And they too lived in uncertain times, and they were not afraid to speak to their own fear. My soul, says one psalmist, speaking to herself, finds rest in God. My hope, she reminds herself, comes from God. In another poem, she reassured herself that weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing will come in the morning. God, she said, will never forget the needy, the hope of the afflicted will never perish. So this world that we share, all eight billion of us, is now facing an extraordinary affliction. Some people in some countries face this kind of uncertainty and fear every single day. For many of us in this place, it's unprecedented. Norman was telling me just now, it reminds him of the Blitz. Most of us weren't in the Blitz. People talk about a war footing, but most of us don't remember living through a war. Our certainties are undermined from loo rolls to handshakes. I'm going to tell you a joke which I read yesterday, which my partner said I can't tell. (laughs) But I tried it out on the vicar, and he said, yeah, you can do that. (laughs) And the joke was, I just read it yesterday, love like Jesus, wash your hands like Pilate. i tell you will be fine. <laughs> Countries in lockdown, public gatherings cancelled, learning practices that we had not heard of until this week, social distancing, self-isolating. We worry for our loved ones, for ourselves. We notice our own anxiety. We follow the best advice, wash hands, keep a safe distance, but we find no quick answers or easy solutions. We have to wait. We say our prayers and we try to look after each other, but still, the unprecedented troubles us inside. We gather, online or offline, because somehow we know, in our experience, that the divine becomes uniquely present in community, even if our community is a WhatsApp group. The poet, Podrego Tuma, (coughs) who spoke here in Lent last year, draws on an old Irish saying, which is true now as then. It is in the shelter of each other that the people live. It is in the shelter of each other that the people live. So how will we shelter each other in days like these? How can we be a steady ship of faith in unsteady waters? I'm asking you this question because in a minute, I want one or two of you to tell me. Tell us. What practical steps should we take as a community of both action and contemplation? What can you imagine? What should we be doing? Any ideas? Jean? I think we should set up a group that people who live in our So, a group that telephones people in our community to make sure they're okay? and a for group who can go for those people who they can't get out. Thank you. Anybody else? Tara. Yeah, okay. Thank you, Tara. We're we'll coming to fake news in a minute, but that's a good example. <laughs> okay, so that's about... You don't need to worry about that. If you see that, you don't need to put a head right up your nose. Anything else? What could we be doing as a community? a A video link from the service. So you could watch this in your own bed. Yes, if people couldn't get to a service, maybe they could take part at home. Great idea. Is there someone who could do that? Owen, thank you Owen, next to you. Any other thoughts? I uh, haven't got any names yet, but if you, if you would like to volunteer for some of these things, come see us afterwards. We're going to have we have a little standing committee, which I've recently renamed as a standing at a slight distance committee. <laughs> so, okay, that's, that's some good thoughts. Now, oh, sorry. Yeah. 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 That's good. So that that kind of precise, practical volunteering, maybe we can set up some kind of system for that, so that people can let the church know, and then we can find out who could help. Owen, yeah. Yes. Yeah. We don't need to duplicate. If it's not being done, we should do it. But if someone else is doing it, we should join in. Yeah. That was ca- that, In particular, that was uh, giving a lift to people who've come out of quarantine. Oh, it's to the same point, though. No, to... Engage with what's already happening. Oh, yeah, engage with what's already happening, yeah. What was well, already happening there? community groups, local council, organised things already. Like Kumar's and Yeah, neighbourhood I mean. groups, yeah. Okay. I don't know what that is. Do you mean next door? What do you mean? Right. Yeah. Do people know what next door is? Martin, do you want to say what next door is? Do you know what it is? It, I mean, I don't know how effective it is. It's a thing you sign up for. and It's a, it's a modern-style neighbourhood group with about 10,000 people in. So, yeah. yeah so, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's... it's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's worth looking into it's, to, to, it's very good. So to engage with whatever local community networks you can take part in. If you've got more, come and see me or Susie or Joy or John afterwards. Ideas will emerge. Or Jif. yeah. Anyway, here are six thoughts of mine, because we better wrap this thing up, uh, that you probably already had. Keep in touch with people that you know who are in at-risk groups. Those who live alone who are senior citizens, who have existing health conditions, neighbors or friends, give them a ring, write to them, run errands for them, see what support they need. Try to limit your exposure to social media. It may be a beautiful friend with its shared wisdom, but it can be an awful enemy with its half-truths and fear-mongering and conspiracy theories. It can send despair viral. In a season of social distancing, try and get out of where you live and sit or walk in the open air. If you are able, take a walk. Yesterday, I went for a walk in Finsbury Park and then Gillespie Nature Reserve. I walked and walked and walked and sat down and I watched people and their faces lifted my spirit. I watched a woman hugging a tree and she was entirely unembarrassed and it was entirely appropriate. And I was reminded of this poem by Wendell Berry, which Andy is going to read for us. The, the Piece of Wild Things by Wendell Berry. When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water and the great heron feeds I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting with their light for a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free the Only still water I could find in Finsbury Park was the boating pond, and there was no wood drake or heron, but there were some ducks and a couple of wild geese, and I found a peace in these wild things. Take time to be quiet, to pray, to read, to meditate. Take time to listen to your life, to tune into the divine voice. If you're passing a church and the door is open, go in and light a candle and sit quietly with your feelings. If you have a journal, write in it or draw. Even if you're concerned, and many of us are, at having enough resources for your own household, try to remember those who don't have the funds for their weekly shop. Remember the food bank and this collection point just by there. Remember that this too shall pass. When it has passed, we will be changed. We will be sadder and wiser, but we will still be called to make a shelter for ourselves and for each other. It is in the shelter of each other that the people live. Notice the faces of people, strangers and friends. Consider their beauty and holiness. Treat each other tenderly. As Kate Tempest puts it, none of this was written in stone The current's fast, but the river moves slow. I can feel things changing, even when I'm weak and I'm breaking. I stand weeping at the train station, because I can see your faces. I love people's faces. Thank you.